0: Hi, this is Ian Geronimo, and I'm reading from a piece called Sustainability. The first phase of your research expedition involves arriving on an afternoon flight from the mainland, emerging from the jet bridge, whilst fingering the bald spot forming in your eyebrow, and being immediately struck by the heat inside the airport. It's December. A hot, dryish wind is blowing over the island. The airport is under construction, something made apparent in the breezeway that leads down to the baggage claim, nearby light and shadow dancing in a kind of cosmic war, presumably generating from a welder's arc inside the unfamiliar shells of concrete across the way, industrial bones with dreams of becoming a car park. Whatever plans have been laid for the airport, the terminal you pass through seems largely unchanged the planter-filled windows opening on vistas of clustered palms and starkly elevated green land, the oak beams supporting high ceilings, the mellow luau music piping through rusty speakers. All of it, quaint as you remember. Today is the day you'll meet your mother's current boyfriend, whom you've heard a little about. A rocky one from the start, he suffered debilitating injuries to his legs and back, Via somewhat recent motorcycle accident, moved in with your mother a few weeks after the early breakup, and now has been there several months. This is standard operating procedure for her since she started dating on the island. Your baggage doesn't take too long to show up on the carousel, and soon you found a shaded spot where your mother won't miss you. Nearby is an attractive blonde family, with two adult daughters, all preparing to load themselves into a minivan. The young women have both taken notice of you. The older, despite being pregnant, a father figure conspicuously absent. The younger, more intently, eyeing you like you might be part of her vacation plans. You get a sudden, sunken feeling watching how relaxed the family appears in one another's company, just a normal family on a normal vacation, and you feeling like a piece of toxic metal is lodged behind your solar plexus. Unfortunately, this is a familiar feeling for you, just another pain inside you can't quite account for. You've never considered yourself a Lothario, but realize now, It would take literally dozens of phone calls and hours of internet research for you to reliably name all the women you've slept with over the last two years. You aren't young anymore, and don't feel proud of this the way you maybe once would have. There was a time, not so long ago, when each sexual encounter had seemed part of some celestial plan, some grand lesson about love and loss, and even if it wasn't meant to last, It would take a lasting place in your heart, create some eternal breakfast nook or bay window in the building that is your life. Those days have come and gone. Like the rate of your own movements accelerated after college, city to city, neighborhood to neighborhood, apartment to apartment, the pace of your romantic life, what else to call it, had taken on an increasingly frenetic quality, to such a degree that you've almost entirely stopped keeping track. Your things are still in storage on the mainland, and it's important to remind yourself that your arrival here is not random. It's part of an ongoing calculation. The world, you sense, is coming apart at the seams. And while a year ago, continuing to work random gigs and have sex with random women in the city might have made for a not-unappealing coping mechanism, the time has come for a backup plan. Lucky for you, your mother is a retired doctor with a plot of land on a beautiful tropical island. And lucky for you, she has a small bungalow beside her main house she's content to have you live in, under the conditions that it eventually become the home to her hypothetical future daughter-in-law and hypothetical future grandkids. Your mission, then, is to fix up the bungalow to a livable standard, while building toward a more self-sufficient property should the worst of scenarios come true. You have inheritance you can throw at these improvements. Money Dad left you. Anything done in the name of sustainability, after all, is at least in theory something your father would have supported, even if he would have sooner voted Republican than invest any money in the hui. When pressed what exactly was the problem with the hui? you can imagine your father as he would have looked up, eyes narrowing slightly, full cheeks catching the light, as he cocked his head to think, white people. Which means little when considering your father's lifelong refusal to teach you or your brother's Tagalog, or ever seriously consider heeding your request to go to the Philippines, or provide any information on your family there even after a massive typhoon utterly obliterated the town you'd come to understand your Lola was from. All of this while steadfastly fetishizing tall, angular, white women right to the bitter end. The bungalow that mom wants your unborn kids to be raised in, it needs ground-up work. It, for many years, was an agricultural storage for your grandmother's workers, who eventually started building additions for themselves to take showers or naps or shits in, and, more recently, it's been home to various meth-addicted squatters, Scotty, your mother's ex-boyfriend, being the most recent. In other words, it had become a flop house, until your mother finally tore the place apart and, in an attempt to make it uninhabitable, padlocked everything. As for self-sufficiency, you have much research to do, but for starters, this means the switch from grid power and stupid propane to solar installations and battery storage. It means a switch to an electric car, and it means water catchment system and irrigation for the large garden area your mother has already cleared for growing. The caveat here is, you've hardly knelt in a grassy park in the past few years much less practiced subsistence farming. You've been a city kid, through and through, ordered food from your smartphone, chin on chest, when it was too inconvenient to walk to the pub or find a drive through The difference now is, where before your panic about impending ecological collapse was occasional, it had recently become constant enough for something to need to give. Let's face it, you were shitting your pants over climate change lately. Just a week before you booked a ticket to the island, winter wildfires had burned on mountains adjacent to your neighborhood for 14 days and nights. Weird specialized helicopters lumbered down to the reservoir to draw water, moving purposefully along the horizon from when you exited your apartment at dawn to when you came home from work at night, attempting to halt the blaze. You had stepped outside on one such night, freshly showered on your way out to pay a phone bill, and thought for a moment it was snowing, the ash falling everywhere, settling on your hands, in your hair, in clumps on your car, and found yourself immersed in that memory of the way your childhood fish tank looked whenever your mom made you clean it, the built-up detritus sinking like filthy snow across the stirred-up tank, the fish nibbling and dodging the debris, aware of what was going on only in the most reactionary of senses, just little twitching nerves, responding to stimulus. So, you'd thought, as you watched your street being covered in a layer of ash, this is what the fish must have felt like. Maybe this was the sort of thinking that is making all your hair fall out, the sort of thinking your doctor had advised you to work on. That's an exaggeration, not all your hair had fallen out. Just your entire mustache, most of your beard, a spot in your eyebrow, a spot on the back of your left hand, a spot on your anus, and several large and growing spots on your head. Your father had seemed pleased when your hair began to fall out, coming as it did within a week of his own worst-case scenario diagnosis. Stress, he'd said nodding with satisfaction. It's just the stress. Whatever the reason, the hair loss, alopecia was what the doctors called it, it was why you'd finally shaved your hair off completely, Tibetan monk style. This, in turn, is likely the reason your mother's boyfriend, the most recent one who you're supposed to be meeting today, had, upon seeing a photograph of you, commented that you look like a guy that likes to fight. Which, perhaps, is fair enough. You are, after all, built like a person who exercises habitually, plus the hairstyle, or lack thereof, which is the certified cut of martial arts practitioners, gang affiliates, and militant freaks the world round. Though, what was more curious than his initial comment was his doubling down, after your mother had corrected him, informing him that you are actually very much into reading and movies and not one to seek out violence. At this, he'd taken a second look at the same photo, one taken of you and your mom on one of her recent visits to California. Observing your smiling face more closely, he'd shaken his head and sighed, as if pickled to be the bearer of bad news. Nah, he'd said. I could tell by looking at him. Your son, he likes to fight. This new guy, Dwight is his name. Your only exposure to him so far has been through photos. In one, your mother has shown you. He's on the beach, shirtless, squinting at the camera, and looking like one of those super sexy guys in a diva's dance troupe. The ones that bust backflips and lather themselves onto whichever aging star their moves are meant to prop up? Not much older than you, this Dwight. For a black man, he has light skin, lighter than yours, well kempt dreadlocks, a million-watt smile, striking hazel eyes, and an angular tattoo hooked to the edge of his right cheek. That tattoo was what worried you, your mother's last boyfriend, over the course of their seven-year relationship, devolved from supposed success story, having recovered from drug addiction and served his time, into another sob story whose gradual regress from had cost him nearly everything. Your mother, she'd gone through the ringer toward the end of that one, the lying, the cheating, the stealing, the collect calls from jail the mornings after. He was 20 years younger than her, too. And when she'd asked you to write an affidavit of support, testifying to his good character to keep him out of prison that last time before he skipped bail and moved to the island with her for their final act of their tragic love story, you'd done what any good son would have and had given it your best shot. The blondes in their minivan are gone, By the time you hear an unfamiliar voice calling your name you've been using your backpack as a pillow one arm slung across your face for shade you look up and sure enough there's your mother's dirty white hybrid whirring in reverse having overshot you considerably the man who lifts himself from the passenger seat is taller and more slender than his picture conveyed but muscular to be sure Bleached blonde skinny dreads shift in their festive bun atop his head, which, on anyone else, might make for an effeminate hairstyle, but not so much with him. He takes a few steps in your direction, and you don't look down at the hobble, the black metal running vertical along his leg braces. He smiles that winning smile, and you call him by his name and introduce yourself, friendly. Good to finally meet you, he says. I've heard lots of good stuff. You look away from his tattoo and load your bags into the trunk. Brace yourself for your mother's running hug. In the hybrid, the airport falling away in the side view mirror, your mother explains to you that the, that the reason they're wearing swimsuits is because they were hoping to take you directly to the beach. It's too freaking hot to do any work at the hui today. This is unusual, your mother says clambering through a nook in her dashboard until Dwight produces a cigarette from the back seat, holding it up for her in the space between you. Been hot, he says, before flicking his lighter and offering the flame. She lights her cigarette before trying out an impression of Dwight's accent. Sorry, yeah, it's been hot on the hooey. She shrugs and slaps your arm, chuckling at her own impression. She is somewhat thinner than the last time you saw her, her face shiny and lined, her hair a-flutter about her eyes, which are smiling, and clear enough, for the moment. You thank them for coming to get you, and say you'd like to maybe take a nap before anything else. You tell them they should definitely go to the beach, though, if that's what they want to do. We don't want to go without you. No way. We're hanging with you. You've got your writing, of course. We're totally accepting of that. Right, Dwight? Yeah, Dwight says, and his southern accent makes the word rhyme with see ya. The last time you saw your mother, you had a conversation that made her cry. You were driving on the freeway together, you behind the wheel and her in the passenger seat. She was on her way to the airport and nervous for her flight so was pouring beers from a bag at her feet into a kombucha bottle she carried around to discreetly drink. She was confiding that your brother Jack had been unfair to her, demanding she explain why she had to be white. You'd heard about this episode before. You agreed that this was a ridiculous line of questioning on your brother's part, but challenged your mom to be sympathetic to his experiences as a man of color. She said his experiences didn't give him permission to be racist. To which you'd said, as a white person, she couldn't know racism the way Jack, and yourself for that matter, had. To which she said something far more aggressive about being colorblind and Martin Luther King Jr. and judging people by the characters, regardless of race, and that included being an asshole and talking over your mother. To which you'd said, she was being a little racist now, by sucking up all the air in the car with her energy while allowing yours none to breathe, at which point she'd begun to cry and gave you the silent treatment the rest of the way to the airport. It's been the better part of a year since this, the last time you'd seen each other, but you aren't surprised when she starts drinking immediately upon your arrival on the island. At the grocery store, you are told to pick out whatever you need for the week before your mother announces she needs bread and disappears in the direction of the freezers. In the aisle with bread, Dwight hobbles toward you with his box of chocolate cereal and that big, beaming smile. He's an extremely handsome guy, and while you're accustomed to seeing what she doesn't see in guys, there are rare times when you can see what your mother sees, too. Man, I hate being in grocery stores, he says. They keep them cold and the lanes are too damn narrow. You take a moment to gather his meaning. Because your injury makes it difficult to walk? Hell yeah makes it difficult. These people, they drive their shopping carts like fucking bumper cars. If they do stop, they just give me a look like, Get the fuck out the way! Like they expect me to just pop out the way. Like everything's cool. Shit, I'm sorry man. That fucking sucks. You hold up your basket for his chocolate cereal, but he waves you off. Says he's got it.